0: Welcome to Simple Church. Uh, first, I want to just make sure that we greet our guests. If We got gra- guests in the building this morning. Let's give them a round of applause and thank them for being here today. Thank you, guys. Uh, when you came in, please make sure that you get uh, your T-shirt. If you did not get one, there's the connect table right outside this door, and there will be somebody manning that station or womaning that station, as it were, uh, I believe today. And she will make sure that you get a T-shirt. So please, uh, please grab one on your way out if you have not yet. So. All right, so we are, in the, we are actually at the end of this series called Not a Fan. We're concluding it today, but before I do, I know Tim mentioned it earlier. I want to mention it again, just in case you got here uh, after the announcements were made today. The birthday party is tonight, the, the birthday shindig, as we're calling it. We are two years old today. And uh, I know you're thinking, look at that guy. He is a big two-year-old. No, but seriously, as a church, as a congregation, we are two years old, and God has given us so much favor and so much grace and brought us from uh, from some very humble beginnings. And we're going to celebrate that tonight. Amen? And so tonight at 5 o'clock, there will be a party here tonight. There will be cake. Uh, there will be prizes and some zaniness and some crazy stuff happening. Uh, tonight we've got a game show called The Bonk Show, which you are not going to want to miss. And uh, and there might be cake. There's also a cake contest tonight as well as I understand it. That runs from 5 to 15. If you, if you plan to be in that cake contest, get get here a few minutes early so that we can get you situated, okay? Yeah, you can make one or you can buy one. It doesn't matter. You can have somebody make it for you and you can enter it into the contest, but there is a prize for the cake Contest as well, so that is tonight. So bring a cake and uh, bring a friend and let them hang out with us tonight. We're gonna have lots of fun, okay? Also, uh, one of the things that did not get announced is baptisms coming up June seventh. If you are uh, are a follower of Christ and you said, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow after Jesus," because one of the things that he said before he left this earth was go make disciples and baptize them. And so that's, the, that's one of the things that, that every follower of Christ should do is get baptized. And so June 7th, we are going to do that. If you have not taken that step of faith or, or that, followed that act of obedience yet, you can grab your connection card today right on the back and say, put your name on the front and mark the box that says, I want to get baptized. We'll get you information about that. But that is June 7th after second service. So please let us know if you want to participate in that. Okay, cool. Awesome. So we're going to continue this series. We're going to wrap it up. And let me, let me tell you the crux of this whole not a fan series, what it's really all about. Is, is really kind of drawing a dividing line in the sand. Because Jesus came not to create fans. Now, there was plenty of people who enjoyed his work. There's plenty of people today. There are, in fact, other religions who look at Jesus, and they are fans of his work. They are not followers of his. See, followers are people who abandon all and follow after. And Jesus came to create followers, not fans. It's okay that there are people that like him. It's okay that they thought he was a great prophet, but that's not why he came. He came to walk a path and say, Come on, follow me. In fact, the invitation was for you to follow me and take up your cross and die daily. That's the invitation that Jesus extended to us. He was looking for followers not people that would come and sit in church on Sunday morning, not people that would go to Bible study and sit around and talk about how great Jesus is and not follow, not do anything in their lives in response to Jesus. That's not what he came to do. He came to create followers. And so that's what the whole crux of this is about. The very first week, just to give you a brief overview of the whole series, the first week we talked about uh, what it looks like to be a fan and what a follower is. The second week... We talked about the invitation because I think, I think, a lot of people here, and even over the past couple weeks, they've said, well, I'm excluded from that invitation, so you don't know what I've done, you don't know where I've been, you don't know my life, don't judge me, but you don't know my life, and I'm not included in that invitation. But when we look at the scriptures, Jesus said, if anyone would come, and that anyone means everyone. So we're all included in this invitation to follow Jesus. There is no rules or restrictions on who can come and follow him. That was the second week we talked about that. If you want to listen to any and all of these, you can get our app. We have an app now. You can go to any of your Google Play stores or your, uh, your iOS, your Apple stores, and you can download our app. Just look for Simple Church Ohio, and uh, that is our app. And all of the sermon podcasts are there for you to listen to. It's real easy. You can also get connected to what we're doing here because there's an events tab in that. Sorry, that's a little plug for the, for the app. There's an app for that, all right? But you can listen to them also. The third week we, uh, we talked about... Intimacy, Because there's a call as a follower to be intimate, to be honest, to be revealing with God. That's what he called us to do. And so we explored the subject of intimacy. That's into me see. See, God knows us intimately and he invites us to know him the same way. The fourth week Tim came up and preached and he preached on our comfort and the comfort of the cross. See, we like comfortable things and we run from things that are uncomfortable. We run from uncomfortable things conversations. We run from uncomfortable relationships. We run from discomfort. We don't like it. We like comfy. But the cross and the invitation that Jesus extended to us is anything but comfortable. Anything but it. Because the cross during that day, if you were around during Jesus' time, you would have known that the, the cross was a sign of shame, was a sign of pain, was an invitation to be cursed and to be rejected by all and to die a brutal death. So when Jesus is using that kind of language during that day, he's not inviting people to a cushy life. He's not inviting them to comfortable chairs in an air conditioned, you know, auditorium. He didn't invite them to that. He invited them to take up a cross and to follow him. And that oftentimes isn't comfortable. That means we'll have to humble ourselves. That means that we'll have to do things we don't want to do, like forgive people who have wronged us when they don't deserve it and haven't said I'm sorry. This this is the life, those are uncomfortable things that Jesus has called us to. And then last week we, we looked at what, what followers do because there are rules. There are rules, and rules are great because they give us guidelines. They show us how, to, how to, to walk this life. But this relationship as a follower is more than rules. And if we just make it about the rules, we lose sight of what it's all about in the first place, and that's the relationship. When we as followers lose sight of that relationship, we push people away because when they come to Jesus, we lay rules on them instead of a relationship with Jesus, and we push them away. We say, you can't do that. You have to look like this. You have to dress like that. You have to talk like this. You can't go there. And all these rules just push people away because they say, well, how can I, how can I come? I'm, I'm already disqualified just because of the rules. And so this week we're going to wrap up this series, and I'm going to ask a very, very important question that will, that will draw that line in the sand for all of us. Is, is Jesus enough? Is he enough? For you, When everything fades away, when all the, all the blessings and all the stuff that he does for you fades away, is Jesus enough for you? Today we're going to be in John, we're going to be in chapter 6. If you need a Bible, we believe the Bible is God's word. We believe that it will help you grow spiritually, it will change your life. And if you don't own a Bible, I want to be part of giving you one. So if you need one today, just put your hand in the air and one of our service hosts will give you one. we got one right up here, Ryan. If you will make sure that, that just keep your hand up so they can see you. Anybody else? We want to bless you with the Bible, so please have that. Take it home with you, read it, but we'll have the verses up on the screen as well. We're going to be in John 6, and this is going to be a nice big chunk of Scripture. We're going to go through 15 verses, and I promise you that i fueled up on coffee so we could get through them as fast as possible, and then I'll break them down for you, okay? So here we go. All right, verse 1 says, uh, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him, Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat, and, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the signs Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come to the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Let's pray real quick. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for all that this day represents, not just an opportunity to fellowship this morning and and to worship you, Lord, but, but for our celebration, for our birthday celebration. Lord, be among us today. Lord, prepare our hearts to receive your word. God, challenge us in some way today to follow you in a way that is different, or maybe to call out to us again to follow after you, Lord. Put your finger on our hearts. Put your finger on our lives. And bless us today with your word, Lord. And as always, God, in all my prayers, I say, bless the Buckeyes. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I don't know how many of you guys uh, like to feed ducks, but I really enjoy this. I think it's an incredible way to kill a few hours in an afternoon. And uh, there's a place here. It's actually in Gahanna called Creekside. Does anybody know what Creekside is? Creekside is this great little place. If you've never been before, Uh, Where it's got a lot of shops and ice cream parlors and coffee shops and little boutiques all along. um, Of all things, a creek, and that's why it's called Creekside. And so when you go there, uh, you can walk Creekside, and there are lots of ducks in the area. And uh, we decide to go there anytime we've got like a bag of moldy bread. Like we just forgot that this bread existed, or maybe it fell down in the pantry, and we find it. It's like you know, let's not throw it away. Let's go feed the ducks. And so we go down there to Creekside, and when you go to Creekside, there's not just a few ducks. Like, some places you go, like, there's a pond. There might be, like, ten, right? Dude, when you go to Creekside, there is, like, an army of them. You know what I'm saying? It's like, they're like, we are legion for we are many. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many of them out there. And, uh, And when you go down there, you can't just feed one duck. But that's how it always starts. If nobody's down there in that area you walk down with your bag of bread and you take your little piece of bread and you toss one into the water. The second you toss one into the water, a duck kind of swims over because he's not coming over until he knows what you've got. You know what I'm saying? Like they know the routine. That's why they're hanging out there. They're waiting on some moldy bread because that's their slam. And so, (laughs) but they got people that trick them. You know, they toss it like this and there's nothing. There's nothing. So they ain't coming until you got some bread and they're sure of it. But you know what? You throw that first piece, that first duck starts squawking. And I have no idea what they're saying because I, I flunked out a duck class in high school like I've got I don't don't understand what they're saying but I'm pretty sure it's something like hey guys there's a fat guy over here with bread let's go and so you just you just toss one piece in the water and they start coming up and the next thing you know it's like Armageddon you are surrounded by ducks and this is becoming a hectic situation because they are all around you and they're all squawking at you and you don't know what they're saying there's nobody to interpret but they are everywhere and your hands are in the air because you forgot that you have bread and then you look over at your kids for help, and your kids are over there, and they are surrounded as well. On each side, everybody is surrounded, and this is about to be a scary Alfred Hitchcock movie up in here. You know what I'm saying? Like the ducks are coming after you. Now, I have to warn you, if you go to Creekside, there is a swan. Do not feed that swan. She will hurt you. She will bite you. For real. She is beautiful, but do not mess with her. The ducks are fine. The ducks are fine. They will surround you, and they squawk at you, and they, they quack. And you keep tossing out your little bread and every time I do it there's always I always look for one there's always one little hurt lame guy out there you know what i mean like, the other day when we were there, there was a duck, he had, like, no foot. You know what I'm saying? Like, he had a stub. And I was like, "Oh, come here, little buddy. And you toss him something, and the other duck's dive in front of him. Now, I have no idea how this duck in particular, who's lame, is so fat. But it's probably because he utilizes that. You know, he's like, dude, watch this. I'm going to hack my foot off. I'm going to get all the bread. People are going to be feeling bad for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, this guy's living a cush life. Either that or it's because he can't exercise. I mean, because let's be honest, when he goes swimming in the water, all he does is swim in a circle. Oh, poor guy. See what I'm saying? It works. You just want to toss him all your bread, so you stomp at the other ducks, and they run, and you just toss that little guy, and he's just eating and loving it. It's great. But there's something that shifts. There's something that shifts, and I think my favorite comedian, Mitch Hedberg, nailed it on the head. He said, I find that a duck's opinion of me is greatly influenced over whether or not I have bread. That's true. It's true. It's true. Because the moment you run out of bread, you expect that, dude, like, I just fed you. Come here, little duck. Come here. Come on. Let me pet you on the head. And they turn tail and run away. They want nothing to do with you the second your bread is gone. Period. All done. That's swan, She will still come after you, though, so do not mess with that chick. I'm just telling you. But I think that's what's happening here in this story. I I think that's what we're going to see play out. Because see, the people, they follow Jesus all day long. Here's what's happening. Jesus is at the height of his career. Everybody's tweeting about Jesus. They're periscoping him. Like, guys, you got to check this out. Look, Jesus is walking on water. He's healing the blind people. All this guy, he used to not be able to walk. He's laid here for 20 years. And now this dude's carrying his mat and walking. You guys got to see this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even know how they're with Jesus. Don't they have jobs? There are 5,000 men following Jesus. And it's more likely that it's like 15,000 people because they only counted the men. Where are the women and the children? They're with them. And none of them have a job to go to or did they all text off work that day? I have no idea. But Jesus is so popular that these people have abandoned everything and have followed him out to this hillside. And he's been teaching and they're inspired and they're excited. And now Jesus is getting ready to do something incredible for them. And they don't even know it. And so Jesus is on the hillside and he goes up on the mountainside and he looks out. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I read my Bible and I see where it says that Jesus saw, I draw little eyeballs in my Bible because there is something that Jesus saw that shifts what he does next. See, Jesus was sitting on a mountainside with his disciples, but Jesus looked out and he saw the people and something's getting ready to shift. Oftentimes, after those verses, it's followed up with, and he was moved by compassion. He was moved to do something by what he saw. And so I wonder, what did Jesus see? What did Jesus see? And so I have to think in my head, what would be happening with me? If I was one of the people in the audience that day, well, if I had abandoned everything and left my job and was following after this dude, I would have probably forgotten to eat at some point in time, right? Like you watching miracles happen, like, dude, you're just awestruck and so many people are commenting on your Facebook and you're commenting back and like, you got no time to eat. Ain't nobody got time for that. Jesus is here. And so maybe you've forgotten to eat. And that's what's happened in this crowd. They've all forgotten to eat. In fact, they kind of wandered after him like a duck does when you got bread and you start tossing and you walk away. They, they kind of follow you. They forget where they're going. They abandon what they were doing. Forget the fact that they had a plan to kill that swan. <laughs> you've got bread and they're following. And I think this is what's happening. And so the people are, are now hungry. Jesus sees them. And he turns to his disciples. He says, what are we going to do? And Andrew answers him first of all, or is it Andrew? It's Philip. Philip answers him first and says, what, what do you want me to do? This is not our problem. We packed for 12. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's it. We've got, a, we've got peanut butter and jelly. We've got some sun chips, but we only got enough for 12. But they don't even offer that up. Philip just says, we, we, we don't have enough money to even buy them food. It would take us over a year or over a half a year's salary to pay for 15,000 people to eat. And so he's just being realistic with Jesus. But then Andrew, Andrew speaks up. Now, I'm not really sure Andrew's tone here, okay? I'm not really positive exactly what he was, what he was implying when he says this. But Andrew walks up and he says, well, here's a boy with five loaves and two fish. Now, the way you understand this or the way you interpret this has nothing to do with your salvation. But I think, I think Andrew was being sarcastic. I think at this point he would have been just like everybody else in the crowd. He's a bit hangry. That's like hungry, angry. You know what I mean? So hungry that you're there just like irritated. And at this point, he forgets that he's talking to the king of kings and the lord of lords. And he goes, how about this guy? He's got five loaves and two fish. You know what I mean? But other people, the way they interpret this is that Andrew came to Jesus with expectancy. Like, hey, check this out. This is what we've got. What are you going to do? Like, you know what I mean? Like, He knew. So I'm not really sure how you would interpret that. I think it's the sarcastic, but if you want to go expectancy, that's fine. It won't matter. Your place in heaven is not altered by how you believe this happens, okay? But just know that you can see it a couple different ways here. And I want you to see it my way because I think it's hilarious. Anyway, so he gives them the five loaves and the two fish, and Jesus doesn't disappoint. He's been doing miracles, and that's why these people have been following, but they've been doing them for other people. And now Jesus is getting ready to do something for all of them. So he takes the bread and he blesses it, and he breaks it, and he hands it out to the disciples. This is important that you don't miss this, because oftentimes I think we think that he broke it, and as he's breaking it off, the miracle is happening in Jesus' hands, but it's not. He puts it in the hands of his disciples, his followers, his apprentices, and says, go give it to him. So he breaks off a chunk of bread. Maybe he gives, I don't know, let's go modern day context. Maybe he gives Peter three Ritz crackers, and Peter walks out. He's got... Okay, so there's 12 of them, 15,000 people. I don't even know what that math is, but like, what is it? Like 1,000-something a, a person? So he's got 1,000 people he's got to see, and he's got three Ritz crackers in his hands. So I'm going to go up here. I'm going to give you one. That means I've got two more people to see. Well, I've still got three. Let me try that again. I've got three Ritz crackers. I'm going to give you one. I can see two more. I've got two more. I've still got three. Hang on a second. I've got one, and I've got three. And he, it continues to multiply in his hands. That's the miracle. Could you imagine that happening to you? I would be freaking out. That's like the greatest magic trick ever. Like, come on over and see the show, kids. I'll feed you too. Come on. Forget that fish stuff. Carb city over here. That's what we're doing. Ritz crackers. Could you, Like, really? I'd, my mind would be blown. I'd be, like, taking selfies with it and everything. Like, check this out. Instagram video. I have three. I give them one. I still got three. This is nuts, guys. Y'all need to wake up this morning. I am way too hopped up for you people. <laughs> so Jesus fills everybody's bellies, and then he collects up the baskets because he's Jewish. He doesn't waste anything. He's a good man. That's what we Jews do. Waste not, what not. That's what I'm talking about. And after the dinner party, everybody decides that they're going to hang out. They're going to camp out because, see, Jesus intended to feed them and send them on their way. But They decide they're going to camp out. And, and the scripture kind of keys us into what they think is going to happen. Jesus realizes they're getting ready to make him king. They're going to force him and make him king because, wow, this was incredible. He'd been doing stuff for this person and that person, but today he did this for me. And 15,000 people are getting ready to grab him and take him into the city and make him king. So Jesus slips off in the middle of the night. At this point, we're not really sure with this group of people whether they're just really hardcore committed fans or whether they're followers. Because they followed him this far, right? Now, how many of you guys are fans of something? Like fans of a favorite movie and that you've stayed up all night? Like the movie's coming out... Tonight at midnight, I'm staying up and I'm going to watch it. Or maybe there's a book release. I remember when Harry Potter was released. There was this insane amount of people that waited hours in lines for the new Harry Potter book to be released. Or, or maybe maybe it's Black Friday and you've decided to camp out. You literally have a sleeping bag or the new Apple iPhone is coming out. And you are camped out in front of Apple because you want to be the first person to get it. You know what I'm saying? Is anybody here that crazy? Has anybody ever done that? Oh, have has got one hand up in the back. Thank you. I appreciate that honesty, Jeremy. Yes, and I called you out. <laughs> but he's a hardcore fan. He's a hardcore fan of whatever it was that he waited for or went and did. My, my family, we, when a movie comes out, we go to the midnight showing. I put my kids to bed. They sleep for two hours. And then I go, come on, let's go. And we go, we go see the movie. Because I'm a fan. I'm a hardcore fan. And at this point, that's what they're doing. They've camped out. They're waiting. They want to see what's next. They're expecting. But Jesus, realizing the situation, slips off in the night and goes across the lake. When they wake up in the morning... They start looking around for Jesus because they're expecting. What are they expecting? Well, breakfast, duh. He just fed them. But they look around and Jesus is nowhere to be found. And they start wondering where he's at. And people start pointing across the lake. So they all get in the boats and they follow Jesus. Maybe they are hardcore followers. Maybe that's what they're going to do. They're going to follow Jesus. Like his 12, 15,000 people. You want to talk about your church growing from like really small to like mega church overnight. That happened. And when they get to the other side, they're greeted by Jesus, AKA their meal ticket. But it's taken them all morning to get to the other side, and now it's lunchtime, and they're hungry. And Jesus recognizes why they've followed him. He kind of calls them out. And he has this DTR, we call that the Determine the Relationship Conversation with them, that is not really popular. But Jesus calls them out because they show up and they're looking for the all you can eat buffet, they're hungry. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. You are, not, you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Jesus knows there's a problem here. They're not following me because they believe I'm the Messiah. They're following me because I fed them. They're like ducks. They want more food. And you've got to ask yourself, how are they going to respond when they find out that the drive through is closed, you know? that when hometown buffet is shut down and Jesus is standing at the door, nope, sorry, all we got is me. Just like with my ducks, when all I had was me, the ducks ran off. Would the people be like that? So what Jesus offers them is himself. In verse 35, he says to them, I am the bread of life. See, he identifies himself as what they were looking for, but They're kind of confused. If you were standing there that day like this, you're standing in church and you expect me to say things that are going to blow right by you. You expect that. It's scripture. I don't really understand it. Let me tell you something. If you were hungry and I had just fed you miraculously and you came to me looking for more and I said, here, have a bite, wouldn't you be confused? Because that's what Jesus just did by identifying himself as the bread of life. He said, he who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. So he offers himself to them. But the question is, is would that be enough for them? Or would they be like the ducks? When Jesus is the only thing on the menu, you find out if he's the one you're really hungry for. When there are no other options, that's when you find out if Jesus is enough. We have a story of a family here, Ryan and Mary Harris. They attend here in Mary, Mary leads the children's ministry. Ryan leads our, our host team. And last summer, last July, Ryan and Mary were driving home from Michigan, which was their first mistake going. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, that's, that's a whole other thing. <clears throat> and, uh, and they're on their way back from Michigan. And Ryan's driving his car, and they get hit by a semi-truck. Totals the car. Turns their life upside down they're left with questions they're left with concerns because see you you would have to hope that they would have had some kind of you know guarantee or some kind of desire that that would have never happened you know well, I'm a christ follower this shouldn't happen so it's not going to happen but but then it does and then when it happens and it turns out that your car is going to be totaled and then the insurance can't cover it and so now the the check that they're going to write you for your car isn't even going to cover it and you still owe money on that car but now you've got to buy a new car and When everything gets turned upside down, would Jesus be enough? Could you still say it is well with my soul? Because I have Jesus. I've lost everything else. Everything that was sure in my life has now just been shaken and turned upside down. Would would Jesus still be enough? There are plenty of stories like that. Not, Not only is your car destroyed in a... And a bad accident, or maybe it's your daughter that gets diagnosed with cancer, or your parents get divorced, or the addiction seems unbeatable, or a future that seems overwhelming, or a relationship that has gone awry. Something happens in our lives, whatever it is, it shakes us. And when it does, when the blessing that has been surrounding us, when the cush life we've been living disappears, will Jesus still be enough for us to be a follower? Because suddenly having a little bit of religion isn't enough. Suddenly the spectacle, the fish and the loaves, the Sunday service doesn't cut it. And in those moments, and it's in those times that Jesus is the only thing left on your menu that we find out whether he's exactly what you were looking for after all. He becomes more than a guy wearing a blue sash. He becomes your only hope. And Ryan and Mary, when I talked to them, as they went through that situation, I'm so proud of them. Because their response to it could have been like ducks. When the blessing was taken away, they could have walked away. But I remember calling Ryan and through all the text messages and the, and the, the phone calls to find out if they were okay and what was happening with everybody. I remember at the end I said, so where are you at? He said, I've got to be honest. He said, I don't, I don't understand what's happening, but I trust God. I trust that he's he's got me. I trust that he knows what he's doing. Now the end of that, just so that you don't think that Ryan's wallowing over there in in pain and agony, the insurance company wasn't going to cover his car. And he still owed money on it. And so Ryan's now left without a car in a difficult situation. And I got a phone call a few days later. He said, you're never going to believe this. I said, try me. He said, I got a phone call. I'm having a brand new, what is it, Nissan Maxima? Altima. A brand new, 2014, right? 15. Jeez, it's better than I thought. Delivered to me in a week. Oh, that's fantastic. The insurance is coming through? Nope. It's being bought and paid for me. I don't owe a dime on it. And the insurance money is going to be used to pay off what I owed on the last car. See, when we trust God in those moments, he comes through. But Jesus has to be enough for you. Will Jesus be enough for you? And so in this verse, in chapter 6, the crowd has to decide at this point. They're brought face to face with a decision. Will Jesus be enough? Are they just hanging around for the perks or are they really all about the relationship because you have to imagine that Jesus has at this point formed a relationship with them some of the people in the crowd are possibly people that he healed or family members of people that he served and, and blessed but the fans the fans turn and they go home they didn't hang around because they weren't about the relationship they were all about the perks. And in John 6, verses 66, it says, From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Because in the long run, that's what will happen. See, Scripture tells us that wide is the road that leads to destruction. And in the end, whether we like it or not, most people just will not accept the invitation to follow Jesus. Because they'll decide that he is not enough. See, they like the idea of heaven. They like the miracles. They like the bread. They like the free shows. They like the the chance to be around a lot of people. They like the excitement. They like taking the selfies with Jesus and posting about it everywhere and reading all the likes and the comments. They like that part. But they're not a big fan or they're not a follower of Jesus when he wipes all the blessings off the table. And stands there and presents himself, fans, will walk away. And after everybody had left, Jesus, because you have to imagine right now, his state of mind, 15,000 people chose to follow him and he blessed them. And they walk away. Jesus turns to his 12, his faithful, the ones who had been following him. And he says, you do not want to leave too, do you? Now, I don't know how he said that. I don't know if he said that from a place of hurt. I don't know if he said that really asking the question, but... I have to feel like he spoke that with a a little bit of, of disappointment in his heart and sadness as it became clear why people were following him in the first place. Can you imagine his state of mind? And even though he was God, he was also fully man. See, the Bible says he was tempted just like me and you. He felt and experienced everything with us. One of his names is Emmanuel, God with us. He understands us. Jesus had emotions. And in that moment, he turns to his friends, possibly brokenhearted, and says, you going to go too? Let me put you in put you where he's at. How would you feel if you went out on a date with somebody? And maybe you've done this before, so you know exactly how it feels. You go out on a date with somebody, and you pay for dinner. You go see a movie, you pay for the movie, and you pay for the popcorn and the Pepsi, and you have a great night. You say your goodbyes and you call the next day and say, hey, I had a great time last night. You want to go out again? And the person goes, yeah, absolutely. So you go out again. You go to dinner. You pay for dinner. There's maybe even a carriage ride home and you pay for that. And they're loving it. You're having a great time. And so you go on date after date after date. And you're really enjoying this, paying for all of it. And and they're just enjoying it and loving it and loving you and lots of laughs. And you decide we're going to have a special date. We're going to go for a walk in the park. And so you take them and you walk them through the park and you sit down with them on a bench. And you start talking to them. And you start sharing your heart. You start telling them how you feel about them. You start sharing where you'd like the relationship to go. And at the end of you sharing, they look at you and go, is that all? Like we're not going anywhere tonight? Like this is it? Th- this is all we're doing? Like there's, you Nothing? In that moment, wouldn't you realize that the only reason they've been with you the whole time was because of you were paying for everything? That's a, that's a hurtful place. And that's the place that I, I really believe that, that Jesus was in. So he asked his disciples, the men he's grown closest to, whether or not they'll leave, what his most de- devoted disciples leave when things got a little tough, when the teaching was a little rougher than they had anticipated. Or would they be willing to stick around and hang out with Jesus? In verse 68 through 69, we get the answer to that because Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. See, because when you really know Jesus is Lord, you you don't want to leave him. If you really believe that, See, that verse says that we know and believe. They knew something and believed something that the 15,000 did not. See, it was great to go, hey, check it out. New King of Kings, hashtag Messiah, hashtag possibly, hashtag question mark. They weren't sure. And so they were offended and they left when there was nothing left but Jesus. But the disciples, they believed something different. And because they believed something different, their behavior was different. He said, where else are we going to go? Who could lead us like you do? Why would we want to be with anybody else? Because you need to understand that up until this point, there were plenty of people that had showed up and claimed to be the Messiah. They had either been killed or died and were not the Messiah. And so there had been plenty of other opportunities throughout history because the Jews were waiting and looking for a Messiah. They were waiting for one. They believed this was the Messiah the disciples did. Because see, fans, they'll bail on Jesus when his teaching gets difficult. When he asks them to sacrifice, when he asks them to take up their cross, when he asks them to die to themselves, fans take off. And I don't think they do that just because they prefer comfort. I think they do that because they didn't believe the way the disciples did. They did not believe that Jesus was the Lord. If they were guaranteed a ticket to heaven... If they had full assurance that Jesus was the Son of God, like you know, like the sky had broke forth, or somebody had came to them and said, and God had just like sent angels and said, "Hey, this is the Son of God," in that moment, the fifteen thousand maybe they would have believed. But none of that happened for them that day, and none of that ever happened for the disciples either. But if God did that, we'd all believe. Like, if, he, if something crazy happened right now and said, Jesus is Lord, anybody here who is still a doubter, you'd believe, right? You, something miraculous happened, like some kind of, something nuts. I don't even know how to describe it because everything I think of, I'd, I'd be like, uh-huh, sure. They did that with lights and smoke and mirrors and, like, but, so I don't even know what kind of fantastic thing to describe to you. But if something so fantastic happened and God appeared and said, Jesus is Lord, you'd be on board. Or you'd be peeing as you ran out the door, you know what I'm saying? I'm not sure. But if all of us believed and knew with every ounce of our being, I think we'd have an easier time swallowing those tougher portions of Scripture. I think if all of us knew and believed the way the disciples did, I think that we'd be willing to stand strong for God's teaching on sexuality when it came up at the water cooler, when the subject came up with our friends and our colleagues. I think if all of us knew and believed that Jesus was Lord, I think we'd approach sharing our faith in a completely different way. See, I don't, we don't know the way we wish, so we don't believe the way we should. I'm going to say it again, because it's kind of a, a funny, funny phrase. We don't know the way we wish, so we don't believe the way we should. See, we wish that we could have it all laid out. We wish that God would write it in the sky or give us a vision, speak audibly to us. We wish that he'd send an angel And tell us for sure that Jesus is Lord. But but life's not like that. We don't get that opportunity. The disciples didn't have that opportunity. But they had to come to a place where they would choose to believe. They said, we know and believe that you are the Messiah. Choosing to know and believe is a choice that we have to make. Just like the disciples made. Because if we would believe with the same fire and passion the disciples did that day, I I think that our lives would look completely different. Don't you? Like if we really believed, we would behave different. We'd manage our finances different, our relationships different, our lives, our jobs different. We would live different. In the end, it comes down to whether Jesus is enough for you. And it comes down to whether or not you'll choose from moving, from being a fan to being a follower of Jesus. I mentioned uh, before, as we were doing this series, this series is based on a book called Not a Fan by an author out of Louisville. It's <laughs> not right. You have to say, whoa, whoa, like you got marbles in your mouth. And as we close this, this series, there's a video message that he has for us, and I'd like to share it with you now, and then we'll, we'll close for the day.
1: Hebrews 9.27 says, Man is destined to die once and after that to face the judgment. Those are the two guarantees. We will all die and we will all stand before God. When that moment comes to all of us, there's only one question that will really matter is have you decided to follow Jesus? If I could... I would ask you that question differently because it's very personal. I wish I could come over to your house and knock on your door. Hopefully I could talk you into letting me come in and sit down for a few minutes. And I would want to sit across the kitchen table from you and look you in the eye and ask you this question. I know that when you hear me ask, have you decided to follow Jesus, many of you... Quickly nod your head yes and say, Yeah, I'm a follower. But why do you say that? Because I'm not asking if your parents were followers. I'm not asking if you've prayed a prayer. I'm not asking if you say grace before meals or if you come to church. I'm not even asking if you believe in Jesus. I am asking, Are you a follower of Jesus? Because one day there are many who say, I am a follower that will stand before God. And be declared fans.
0: I think the word of God is, is true. See, we don't know the day, but we do know his name. We don't know the day that our health will fail or when our finances will, f- will disappear. We don't know the day that the hammer will drop and our lives will end. We don't know the day that Jesus will return and take his church back to heaven in the rapture. We have no idea the day, but we do know his name. We do know his name. And I know that on the day of judgment that none of us want to be declared to be fans. We want to be found following because see it is followers who will be given eternity in heaven. And I know we aren't offered the guarantee we always want. Ryan and Mary sure weren't. They were looking for a guarantee that they'd never be in a situation like that. They were looking for a guarantee that after they were in the situation, that at least the insurance would pay for the car. They were looking for guarantees, but they didn't have any guarantees. They have one. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus guarantees that if you put your trust in him, he will never fail you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He'll always be there for you. He guarantees that if you stake your life on his message of truth, that he will stake his life on the etern- your eternity in heaven. He promises that if you put your trust and hope in him, that that's what we get, is a full life here on earth and an eternity in splendor with God in heaven. That's what he promises us. And so we don't know the day, but we do know his name. And scripture tells us that it's by his name alone that we are saved. But you have to decide. And as we wrap up this series and conclude, you need to decide, am I a fan or will I be a follower? You need to be like his disciples and choose and know and believe that he is Lord. That's the invitation. That's the invitation. It's not to miracles. It's not to protection. It's not to a cushy, comfortable life. The invitation is to him and to him alone. Will Jesus be enough for you? Let's pray. The Bible tells us, choose this day whom you will serve. There's a reason they say choose this day. It's imperative. That you choose because your choices today will reflect in your tomorrow. I'm reading a book on habits that says, As today, so tomorrow. In other words, do today what you expect to be able to do tomorrow. Don't put this off, in other words. The choice you make today is the choice you will likely make again tomorrow. Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose Jesus today because today you're being given a choice. With no guarantee that you will ever have this opportunity again. The Bible says that our life is like a vapor. We're here today and gone in a moment. That tomorrow is promised to no man. You say, Aaron, you're trying to scare me with those kind of verses. Honestly, I would to God that I could scare you. If that would get you to make a decision and move towards Jesus. But I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to speak the truth to you because I love you. Because there is no life greater than the life I've found in Christ. You say, Aaron, if God is loving, won't he he wait for me? Won't I have till next Sunday? I can come back and I can make that decision then. You can lead me through a prayer and I can begin my walk with Christ then. See, I've got some things I've got to do. I've got this, this plan this week where I need to clean myself up. I'm not ready to follow Jesus. Not the way that I am. But I'm going to tell you that whatever it is you think you need to do is not near as important or eternal as this moment now the decision to follow Jesus begins with a prayer. It begins with a conversation, you acknowledging Him. Today, if you want to become a follower, I'll give you that opportunity. I'm going to pray a prayer. You can pray it at your seat. I'm not going to embarrass you or make you stand up or announce to the world but I want you just to pray it there at your seat. If that's you and you say, Aaron, I want you to count me in on that prayer. Would you just shoot your hand up and let me know that you're here? Appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm gonna give you the words and just know that this is not the final thing that you need to do. This begins today and begins a life where you need to choose to follow Jesus. Daily is the invitation. The prayer goes like this. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died for me, a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I also believe that you rose from the dead. Give me your Holy Spirit. And teach me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing just that. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I know there are people in this church, you're followers of Jesus, but you've hit some tough spots. Your finances are suffering. Relationships are having difficulty. You can't find the ends, let alone make them meet. Maybe your health or the loved one's health is failing. Or you've lost your job, or maybe you've just lost your way. Your hope and your joy are gone. And right now, you're having to decide, is Jesus enough? I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. But my challenge to you is to decide today in the face of adversity that Jesus is enough. Others of you, you need prayer because... You're there. You're facing that turmoil. You're facing those circumstances. Your life has been shaken and you want to be in a place where you can say Jesus is enough, but you're not there. And that's an honest prayer, one I believe that God will honor. If that's you, know that I'm going to pray for you as well. But you must make a decision, make a commitment, have that conversation with God yourself. Lord, that's me. I want you to be enough, but I'm just not there. Help me. He'll guide your heart through what that looks like. Father, I, I lift up this congregation to you. I lift myself up to you. I'm included in this. Lord, as a follower, life shakes us all. Stuff happens, either because we're boneheads and did it to ourselves or just because life. Life hands us lemons. Lord, I pray that when, when our blessings are gone, when the comfiness, that we have is taken out from underneath of us, that rug is jerked out from underneath of us. God, that we would turn to you and say, it is well with my soul because Jesus is enough for me. You can take my belongings. You can take my health. You can take my life, but you cannot take my Jesus. Lord, help us be there. Jesus, be enough for us. Help us be followers in the face of adversity. And for those of us who are honest enough to say I'm not there, Aaron, I want to be. I want to be there. I want Jesus to be enough for me. I need I need prayer. Lord, I pray for them. I pray that you would guide their hearts and their lives. And help them navigate that. God, we need you. Help us be followers. Help us take up our cross daily. Help us follow after you, Jesus. in your name I pray. Amen. At the end of every service, I offer an opportunity for you to reflect. This is followers. Do something. We hear God's word, and we need to respond to it. You maybe just said, hey, I just said yes to Jesus for the first time or the hundredth time. Grab that connection card out of the seat in front of you. Put your name on the front. Mark it on the back of the card and say, I'm a follower of Jesus today. Others of you, maybe life is hitting you hard, and you need to say, you know what? Today I've chosen, in the face of this,